Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Killer Cocktails. Um, I'm Drea. I'm Jackie. And this week's drink is the Gimlet. Woo, doggy. <laughs> I've had three sips, maybe, yeah. of this second one. I'm tipsy. I am. Uh, your eyes are glassy. Glossy? <laughs> glassy. Well, it's just laughing, and I cry every time I laugh. So, yeah, they're going to be a little glassy. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we... So, be careful. Be careful drinking these. It's these are like- strong. Um, I would say it's kind of like a martini in that it's essentially just your booze yeah. and something that masks Martinis the booze. was rough. That was the... <laughs> we could see if by the you've numbers. heard the martinis episode. <laughs> let's not go there this time. Yeah, because yeah. that was we just got a little loosey goose. Yeah, yeah. This is a drinking podcast. No, there's um, not. So, by the way, this is our second drink. Uh, the first one we decided. So, what we're doing is we're comparing the gin. And the vodka versions of the Gimlet. Yeah. And so I've been sticking with the gin, Bombay gin, and Jackie's been drinking the Crater Lake vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only uh, difference that we're doing here is we're using Rose's lime juice. Mm-hmm. Which is a sweetened lime juice. Very sweetened. Which you can, readily available. Any liquor store, any grocery store, like Rose's is easy to come across. Yeah. If you order one at a bar, depending on the bar, the it's laziness factor, roses. it's going to be Rose's lime yeah. juice. And then the second bout that we did, we did fresh limes and, yeah. Yeah. and a little bit of simple syrup. A little, yeah, because woo, don't make sure you put some kind of sugar in there unless you <laughs> tried, really yeah. like Drea tart. made it the first one she made. <laughs> she didn't have any simple syrup. That's a tart drink. That's super tart. My face yeah. was like, um, but yeah, let's kind of get into, I'll kind of give you more of the download on the Gimlet. So as we were saying, it's a very simple cocktail. You're going to do p- two parts gin or vodka and then one part lime juice and like what we were saying or Rose's lime juice. Um, so I saw some recipes that uh, said to also add soda, but our mm. bartender Matt was like, don't fucking do that. And I didn't want to do it either. I was yeah. like, you can do soda. I'm not doing soda. Because I can't remember. I love And I love bubble water. This yeah. is not an attack on bubble water. Yeah. But I feel like it's a whole nother That's drink. That's not a Gimlet. Yeah. It's a whole other ball game when you add some bubbles in there. Yeah. Um, so the Gimlet rose to popularity after it was mentioned in the... It 19- rose <laughs> popularity. That's why I was like looking at it hard. I was like, <laughs> why does this say rose? <laughs> okay. So it rose to popularity after it was mentioned in the 1953 Raymond Chandler novel, The Long Goodbye. Get out of here. A book made it popular? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so 50s. Uh, I like it. <laughs> um... Oh, okay. So the main character, Philip Marlowe, said, A real gimlet is half gin and half roses, lime juice, and nothing else. It beats martinis hollow. 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 <laughs> Gotta bring that back. Yeah. Um, so, I read the oh. other day. I don't know, where did I read this? Hands down. Do you know how people go, oh, that's the best hands down. Mm-hmm. Do you know where that saying came from? Nope. Came from horse track racing. When a jockey is so far ahead of everybody else... He goes hands down, and he lets go of the reins, which is making the horse go super fast. He's winning hands down. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Dang. History Learned. of colloquialisms. There you go. I don't know that that's the right word. 
I think that's good. I think you did it. Okay. Um. All right. So back to the gimlets. Before the gimlet became popular in 1953, it is believed that it was served to the sailors in the British Royal Navy as a way to fight scurvy. Lime, citrus, scurvy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Rose's lime juice was created in 1867 as a way to preserve lime juice without alcohol, and it was used by the Navy. So they, uh, uh, by mixing the juice with Navy Strength Gin, the gimlet was born. Navy Strength Gin. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it said it was like 114 proof. Damn. So. <laughs> Put some hair on your chest. <laughs> so by the mid-20th century, the gimlet was a popular cocktail with naval officers in British society. I like that tale. Isn't that nice? I do. I like that. So the name Gimlet likely came from a couple sources. Okay. So one being that the cocktail was named after a tool, which is called Gimlet, which is a tool used for drilling small holes. So try to make sure that like no cracks are formed like in the wood when you're woodworking. Like a, like pre-drilling? Yeah. Okay. And then... Like uh, a pi- pi- is that what a pilot hole is? No idea. Okay. Um, so this word is also used figuratively to describe something as sharp or piercing, Thus, the cocktail may have been named for its penetrating effects on the drinker, mm. as we are feeling right now. It, I mean, I will agree. I will agree. Yeah. I was not <laughs> expecting this. <laughs> um, and and then, I like gimlets. I have gimlets. Like, I don't know why. Maybe it was just like out. I feel like the last, like the last memorable gimlet I've had, mm-hmm. and I know I've had one since then, but it was in that underground basement bar in san francisco in the bottom of the fairmont hotel yeah that is like pirate ship themed Ooh, have you not been there no oh you got to go i love pirates the table like the bar is like you're on the deck of a ship what and there's like a mass and you're in a basement what? you're in a basement and then so under the fairmont hotel used to be there was a swimming pool and it was like a gym and they turned it into a bar so the swimming pool is still there but you can't swim in it. Yeah. They've got a band, like a like a tiki-themed band on a floating platform island what? that, like, on a track goes back and forth playing music. Yeah. And then you, your dance floor is like the poop deck of a ship. <laughs> yeah. I knew. I knew. I knew that would get you. Sorry. It's so rad down there. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Wait, all of us went out to the city and, like, yeah. Bottom of the Fairmont Hotel. I really hope it's still a thing because it was fun. Oh, man, we got to get some... The Tonga Room. It's called the Tonga Room. The Tonga Room? Yeah. All right. And it's pirate and tiki-themed? I mean, I say pirate because of ship. It's (laughs) tiki-themed. You had me a pirate. Yeah. Well, tiki it's the same shit. All right. I like It's a ship, and you'll like it. Okay, we'll go. We'll go. All right. Um, Okay, so the name also could have come from the naval surgeon uh, Sir Thomas Gimlet. Oh. Spelled G-I-M-L-E-T-T-E. Who may have come up with the drink as a way to combat, combat scurvy. So, mm. however you want to play it. I'm not going to play it that way. I feel like he's reaching. Okay. I mean, his name is there. I don't know. I mean, it's spelled differently. Like, yeah. Gimlet is I think, spelled, I think like, that's more of a happy is. accident and he's yeah. trying to cash in on it. <laughs> Calm down, Sir Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't believe you, Thomas. Just because you fought scurvy. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, that is your history of the Gimlet. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Jackie, uh, I believe you are going first this week. All right. So I normally pride myself on my ability to find a story based on a drink. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm so creative. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I I pat myself on the back a lot. But this one gave me trouble because it's like gimlet is a weird word. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I should have, I, maybe I would have gone down the, the rabbit hole of the tool. Um, but I was going off, you know, the ingredients, which is too thin. Anyway, I'm going to tell you about the lime lady. The lime lady? All right. She's straight up, <laughs> she's straight up known as the lime lady. I mean, that, I feel like that's not a stretch. There's a shit ton of lime in this. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the tie I made. Okay. The story will not have details in the way that you love details. Oh, all right. So, buckle up. Have at it. Murder ahead. <laughs> okay, so, so in April of 1980, okay. a group of fishermen discover a body of a mystery woman. This will become the oldest unsolved murder in Oklahoma. Oh, I was going to be like, of ever? But... No, 1980. Okay. No, in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Okay. Okay, so some 38 years later, police still do not know who she is. Jane Doe was shot three times in the chest with a forty-five caliber handgun. She was dumped in the brush along the east bank of the North Canadian River in the town of Jones. So it's about 20 miles east of Oklahoma City. She was a fair-skinned uh, woman with shoulder-length brown hair, and authorities say she was between 18 and 25 years old. The body had been lying in the thicket for about 10 days when she was discovered. Mm. So she was found on April 18th, 1980. So it's kind of chilly. Yeah. According to the autopsy report, one of the bullets was still in her chest. And when removing it, the medical examiner found a dime in the wound. What? Like put in after or before? So Uh, what they uh, think uh. is that the dime was in her pocket. (gasps) At the time of the murder, and was embedded in her chest by the force of the bullet. So, like her pocket, pocket, like a pocket? yeah. Okay, not crazy. That's crazy. It's like a well, you see those movies where like, oh, I have my little Bible up there, and yeah. it like gets the bullet or whatnot. apparently just gets lodged inside of you. Oh, a dime is not big enough. Am- is not ample uh, protection. What about a half dollar? Maybe okay. depends on the thickness okay. and what year it was printed. <laughs> Minted. You don't print coins. Um. <laughs> So Captain Bob Green, so he's the Oklahoma County Sheriff's Department. He's the captain. So he says, we've never been able to identify this girl for all this time. You can tell it kind of bugs him. Um, So along with a team of investigators, they now have, because science has evolved since this crime in 1980. So now they have a DNA workup. (gasps) And they're going back and they're trying to match it with like missing persons reports. So they're like still trying to figure out who she is mm-hmm. so that one they can let any sort of family know and then also they're still trying to find the murderer are they do you think they're going to do like the dna comparison to like 23andme like the whole relative I don't, ancestry I thing i don't know i think they should so like when this all kind of like when the new dna uh profile came out that was back in 2014 so like some of the articles i found had like updates in 2016 so i would think like because that was a relatively new thing when they found the California, the Golden, Golden State, State Killer. Killer. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe it's, you know, if I worked for that police department, I'd be like, dude, how'd they do, like, reach yeah, out to that yeah. police department? Like, how'd you do it? What papers did you have to put in? And yeah. blah, blah, blah. But isn't that crazy? Like, so the murder happened in 1980, mm-hmm. right? They kept her DNA, this Jane Doe's DNA, this whole time until they could I'm do... impressed with the Oklahoma that's, police that's department, whichever awesome. department this is. Yeah. yeah. So, Kathy Foote, so she's a technical investigator with Oklahoma County. She said the positioning of her arms suggested that she was drugged into the location where she was actually found. So they believe it's a second location. Okay. That was going to be my next question. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> here's where we get the, the lime lady. The strangest part of it all is that the body was covered in lime or calcium carbonate. 
Doesn't it... So you call it, it like, quick, quick lime. Yeah. It, doesn't it, like, help with the smell? The chemical is sometimes used uh, in decomposing brush and tree stumps to help expedite the decomposition. But in this case, it did the exact opposite. Due to the moisture in the air from the river, it actually helped preserve the body oh, shit. and almost mummified it. Oh, shit. Captain Green said. Um, in fact, investigators believe that her body had been there for a couple of weeks. Typically, within that time, the body would have started to decompose. But in this case, the lime preserved her to the point that they could still find wounds from where she was shot, some other features, and they could they could find that they would not have been able to find this, that she clearly had a heart tattoo on her chest. <gasps> and they have, like, you can, there's photos, like, you can tell it's like a medical examiner has, like, it's like cloth, cloth, yeah. cloth. Like, you can see photos of oh the intact tattoo. You looked at those? They weren't gross. Okay. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So she was drugged there. So obviously they're thinking second location. Did they try to look for tire marks? Do we have any of that? They didn't talk about, like, scene okay. uh, investigation like that. Um, but speaking to what you had said, so there was a Reddit thread about this, and one of the comments uh, said, my understanding was always that it – uh, it was, and he's speaking to Quicklime, that it was used to reduce odor, mm. which once was thought to spread through vapors in the air and discourage animals from disturbing the remains, both of which would prevent discovery of the crime and not speed decomposition. So whoever murdered her, like, dumped the bot, like, they obviously thought they were covering the tracks of their crime. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, an additional, you know, when you're like, adding charges and stuff like that yeah. and like trying to figure out what level of murder like this is very much trying to hide your crime premeditated yeah. yeah uh and it just happened to have the opposite effect of what they were going for i wonder if hear me out yeah i wonder if say it happened at someone's house the shooter the killer they're trying to hide her at the house for a, a number of days or something they okay put a lime on her and then they're like oh my god this isn't working if they're thinking the odor thing yeah and then they have to take her out to the spot Potentially. Isn't there... Uh, you watched um, Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. Didn't they do something with, like, lime or... Maybe barrel? Maybe it wasn't lime. Maybe it was... Acid? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that since forever. I feel like I feel like there was... Yeah, you might be right. <gasps> the bathtub scene. Do you remember yeah. the bathtub? Is What's that what the deal thinking? with bathtub? Is that, it acid? Yeah, that wasn't... That was some kind of chemistry. I mean, he would... <laughs> Walter White, of all people, would know the correct thing to pour on her, I yeah. suppose. Ugh. That's insane. Um, okay. Okay. So investigators followed hundreds of leads, uh, but they were still never able to identify her. She's known only at this time as the Lime Lady. Everyone just calls her the Lime Lady. So whoever killed Jane Doe covered her in quicklime, uh, believing that it would hasten the decomposition, um, but it mummified her. So now that was part of why they were able to create this DNA profile was because it protected it for so long. They did good sampling, stored it all away. Uh, so Captain Green said it's possible that, and like, okay, I'll, well, I'll give you commentary on this in a minute. Green said it's possible that the victim lived in a foster home at some point in her life because nobody reported her missing or anyone that matched her description. Uh, I mean, to me, that seems like a real leap to say nobody matching this description has been, she must've come from a foster home. No, no. There could be a number of things. There, a number of things. She, she could, could be not be of, from Oklahoma. She, yeah. She could be out of state. She could, yeah. Uh, yeah. And maybe they're in this article, they're making it sound like Green thought that, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he just said it as an aside. Yeah. Who knows? Um, then Brown, who was the other lady, she said, uh, 
there might have been a reason why nobody looked for, you know, she she could have been from somewhere else, not necessarily Oklahoma. So same thing. Um, this is my favorite. Green said he believes more than one person was responsible for her death and noted that violent outlaw biker gangs were present in Oklahoma in 1980. Just a aside. <laughs> yeah. There were lots of violent outlaw biker gangs, so probably more than one person killed her and it was probably this a biker gang. Hmm. Again, seems like a little bit of a leap, but... Maybe he understands the area better than I. So according to the profile created in the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, the woman was described as a white female, about five foot six and weighing 115 pounds at the time of her death. The, the report says Jane Doe had an appendectomy scar and extensive dental work with some teeth out of alignment. So there's some records. So they have her DNA. They have her dental work. They know that she had an append, like a. Yeah. Appendix or no. Appendix out. An appendectomy. She had appendicitis <laughs> and had an appendectomy. Or they made a mistake and they had to take it. They happened to my uh, my. You know somebody? Well, yeah. Well, they went in thinking like, oh, her appendix burst. So they went inflamed. in. They're like, oh my god, it's it's fine. But let's take it anyway. They had to take it because a scar would have been there. So later on in life, if it had been appendicitis, and they saw the scar, and she'd pass out for some reason, they saw the scar. They're like, oh, they she already has that taken out, so we're not even going to look at that. That's crazy. So. I mean, you don't really need it anyway, so they took it. So. I know they can't. Here's what I would want, and there's no way to know that I want this. <laughs> okay. I would want them to leave my appendix. So, and, I'm, and I'm not sure how strongly I feel about okay, this. Okay, so they opened you up and realized it's not appendicitis. Yeah. Okay. okay. Close me back up, and now we have this scar that's an issue. I'll get a tattoo on the scar that says, JK, still have my appendix. <laughs> okay. And it'd probably be funny like that. I'd come up with some sort of... You'd have to do something because it is a health risk for yourself. If there's a scar there and mm-hmm. you're pat- if you got hit by a car... Yeah, no, like- my tattoo will tell them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you have that tattooed on your body? I, I mean, I don't currently have any tattoos. Okay. But that's because I'm a fickle person and I know that I wouldn't want anything a year after I but like it. But that scar is forever, so... The scar is forever. Yeah. The joke is forever. I mean, I I have a shit ton of scars. I have more scars. I have so many scars. Mm. Surgery scars. Mm -hmm. I hit shit scars. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. That'll be my first tattoo when I accidentally don't need my appendix out. Let's try to get Jackie to almost get her appendix (laughs) taken out. Um, Okay. But again, they won't know I feel that way when they're in there. Yeah. You know, so I'll just end up with no appendix. You'll be a I guess it means outsider. I won't have my appendix. I, I won't get appendicitis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess they're saving you from... Mm-hmm. Coming back. Because it's completely vestigial, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. serve any sort of purpose. Well, so far. That we know. Yeah. Years from now, we'll realize it's our... Won't our there be egg person. on my face when I suddenly need an appendix? Egg on my face. Get out of here. Okay, so... She has this scarf. That's how we got off on that tangent. Oh. <laughs> uh, Green said that once authorities positively identify the so-called Lime Lady, that they'll be closer to finding the killers. So, listen up. Anyone with information on the case is urged to call the authorities at 405-713-1017. We've given you lots of details about stuff. If you are in Oklahoma, and we'll put the photo up, like they've made a ton of like renderings of what they think she could have looked like and we'll like maybe put the scar up there if somehow in this tiny ass little sorry tattoo uh if any of this rings some bell with somebody they're still looking um her body's buried at a cemetery in oklahoma city uh 
they said that there's no way to pursue an investigation as far as working the crime right now because they have no idea who she is. So once they figure that out, things kind of get to progress. Um, numerous sources, so this is numerous sketches have been made and released by investigators who've tried to reconstruct her face. The efforts have been done over and over again. So again, there's lots of iterations of it trying to find someone who recognizes her. So each release does bring new leads, but so far there's been no answers. And Green is no, like Green kind of, they close out this article saying somebody knows something. It's a mystery that investigators say still haunts them. Oh. Just one of those unsolved ones yeah. that gets you. Oh. Yeah, definitely. If you know anything, contact them. Reach out. They're still looking. Jeez. The Lime Lady of 1980. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah. Hey guys, we're back. <laughs> um, we took a short break. We decided not to refresh our drinks, mainly because I have to drive back home. And these are, I am warning you, these drinks pack a punch. They pack a punch. Make sure you eat a hearty meal beforehand. Because the thing is, like, we record these at, like, you know, we the, the tagline is, like, we get drunk and tell each other stories. I don't get drunk every day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's a casual conversation. <laughs> this drink is a drink. <laughs> a drink. Um, so let's get down to the murder. Uh, we are doing the Gimlet, and I don't know if you remember from the history, but the history kind of mentioned the British Royal Navy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Drea, nice job. Thank you. Oh, nice job. All right. <laughs> so I took... I'm, you know, when someone's more clever than you and you're jealous? I'm jealous. <laughs> Yay! I win. <laughs> uh, okay, so I went through... British Royal Navy route. So, we're going to talk about Alan Grimson. Do you know him? I do not. Perfect. Uh, he was born in October of 1959 in Suffolk, and he was the third of five children. Okay. Um, and that's all we really know about Alan's past. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we do know, though, that 59. while... 59. There should be more. Yeah. I don't know what... Uh, I search and search and search, but this there's is, This no... is England, UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they're just not as into genealogy as... Uh, I don't think that's true. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Maybe his family was hard to uh, connect with. Maybe they just couldn't, you know, piece it all together. Or maybe it's a fake name. Oh. Anyway. Um, but we do know one thing from his childhood. Uh, Alan did realize he was gay. Okay. At a very young age. So we're going to fast forward, and Alan joins the Royal Navy when he's 19, and he eventually becomes a petty officer. So a petty officer is usually, like, a non-commissioned officer, and they are typically equal to, like, a corporal (laughs) or sergeant, and often they may be uh, superior to a a seaman, so which is generally one of the lowest ranks in the Navy. So petty officer is above just a regular seaman. I was hoping we could get through that. <laughs> I was so proud of you. I was like, no way. She's even kind of drunk. Because I didn't look up at you. Did you see that? I was like, I'm going to look at my notes. Um, yes. So, so childish. He is, so he's superior to a lot of other members of the crew. Yeah. So he serves aboard uh, HMS Illustrious and becomes a trainer in firefighting techniques while he was stationed at HMNB Portsmouth. Okay. Yeah. So during one of his firefighting courses, he meets this guy named Nicholas Wright, and it's November of 1997. So Nicholas is 18 years old, which makes Alan 38 years old. Okay. Wait, how old is the other one? 18. 18 and 38. Okay. So, like, I want to point out, there's an age difference there. But besides that, there's also a rank difference, so they would not have been allowed to hang out or, like, fraternize. Okay. 
Um, but anyways, Alan starts offering Nicholas rides home on the weekends to Leicester, which is a three-hour drive one way. Mm-hmm. And so Nicholas and his family are just like, what the fuck is up with this guy? Like, why is they, he offering rides? Are they rides? stopping at rest stops on the way? Well, right now he's just offering. And so Nicholas contacts his family. He's like, should I take a ride? Or like, I want to come home and see you guys. And they're like, well, that's that's kind of weird. Okay. And, uh, oh, a little side story about um, Alan. His crew um, like to call him, not his crew, but his crewmates used to call him Frank. Not because, like, Frank for the name, but Frankenstein, because they thought he was not attractive. But oh. he's not, like, atrocious. But he's, he's just kind of monstery. Yeah, he like, looked like a normal dude to me, but but like like big, like tall, like yeah. Just he, like, I think he was six foot like, one, if I remember that correctly. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's not somebody that you know Nicholas is attracted but to. Enough that they're calling him Frank. Yeah, poor guy. Well, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyways, the next month um is December, and Nicholas was on shore. For leave from the HMS uh, Edinburgh. I guess this ride thing is throwing me because I guess because it's three hours and that's a long. I just feel like like think of a coworker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Would you be like if you felt comfortable with somebody mm-hmm. and they were like, "Hey, I'm going that way." Mm-hmm. Would you think it was weird? No, I like I. I mean, it depends on the person. Yeah. If, if I don't think they're weird and if they're going that way, anyways, and sure, it, let's yeah. get your ride. But if he if he is going the opposite direction, is that part of the story that I missed? I think I think Lester is up in the central part of the. So he's like, let me area. give yeah. you a ride three hours in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's different. It's different than if you're both headed to the same town or yeah. it's on the way. But still, like he is. Nicholas is like uh, like superior anyway, so it's yeah. inappropriate that he's even offering. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyways, Nicholas is on leave, shore leave, and uh, he's seen out drinking with Alan. Uh, they were witness a uh, witness leaving a Portsmouth nightclub together, and according to Alan, they went back to his apartment where Alan tried to kiss Nicholas. Okay. Nicholas was just not about his advances, mm-hmm. and Alan just fucking attacks nicholas he didn't take the rejection well no a lot of our stories are a guy not taking rejection well (laughs) seems to be a theme weird throughout murder (laughs) stories that a guy doesn't take any turn down well let's in the future take a second take a beat kind of you know what Assess the situation. This one—it's it, not a love connection. Yeah, let's move on. Let's go get a pizza. Cast a wider net, you know. Yeah, Tinder it up. Be safe on Tinder. Okay, so um, Alan starts attacking Nicholas. He starts punching him to the point where he gets Nicholas onto the ground, and um, Alan goes and gets a baseball bat. Uh, and he starts beating him with the baseball bat. No. And then Nicholas. How many times can you get hit with a baseball bat before? You know what I mean? Yeah. I. I wasn't good, but I, I I played adult beer league softball. If you're getting the limbs, I think you can you can get hit a bunch. Like as long as like that main core or your, in their head. head. Yeah. Oh, do you know how much that would hurt? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Alan hit some of the baseball bat. Alan's beating Nicholas. With wood the or metal? Bat. Do we know? I don't know. I feel like that makes in a difference too. In my head, too. it was a wood bat, wooden bat. Um, but anyway, so Alan reports. That Nicholas looks up to him and he's just like, why don't, why don't you just fucking kill me already? Yeah, the murderer would say that. 
<laughs> so oh, Alan, he, oh, he asked me to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Alan, um, he gets a butcher knife. He slits Nicholas's throat. And he cuts off a with piece a butcher. Of- wait, with a butcher knife? Yeah. Do you know what a butcher knife looks like? No. Like imagine a cartoon. Uh, do you know the the cutout for uh, fucking insane clown posse? Yeah, the the like. Ah. Like the, a butcher knife is like square. Oh, with the Cause little. It's, yeah, because yeah. it's for butchering. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like a fillet. It's yeah. like a butcher knife is a weird. Wait, maybe I'm wrong. No, that sounds. I think I'm right. In my head, the knife was curved, so I don't know. No, I think it's a square. I'll look it up, but I'm you pretty sure this After is After this whole conversation, it wasn't a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that makes it so much better. Mm, I should, like, completely read my thoughts. Okay, let me tell you what it actually <laughs> is. I'm curious about butcher knives okay. now, but what kind of knife was it, Drew? Okay, so <laughs> Alan slits uh, Nicholas's throat with a carving knife. Oh, that's a different kind of knife. You would slice a neck with yeah. a carving knife. And then, do you want me to continue? You gotta look up a butcher's knife real fast. You keep going. I got you. Um, he then takes a piece of Nicholas's ear and cuts it off. And like then, the this part or this part? It doesn't really say. What do you think? I think it's up top. Yeah. Don't you think so? The cartilage, not yeah. the no. What do you Why would earlobe? Because you... <laughs> I think of the name. I kept wanting to say phalange, and I was like, it's not a phalange. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Um, I was right. It is that square. Like that is a butcher's knife. Well, then now we know for the for the future. Okay, <laughs> get your facts straight, Drea. All right. Uh, so Nicholas uh, Nicholas's body is then put into. What a do you bath- do with the ear part? Just did it. We don't just know. cut it off. Okay. Uh, later in his testimony, he said that he really wanted to dismember all the bodies. The body wanted to. I don't. I can't say it. Damn it. Okay. You do sometimes <laughs> allude to the rest of your stories. Um, anyways, Alan puts Nicholas's body in his bathtub. Um, at this point, Alan is tired, and so he goes to sleep. He's like, whew, that tuckered me out. I yep. gotta go to bed. Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah. So the next day, Alan wakes up, and he takes Nicholas's body, and he dumps it along the road. Uh, he wanted to dismember it, but he didn't. He just took the whole thing. Yeah. Sands part of I think he woke up from his drunken stupor and was like, ah, shit. Okay. Okay. So he takes Nicholas's body and he dumps it alongside the road A272, uh, which is a field near uh, Chiriton, which is an hour drive from his apartment. An hour drive? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So Nicholas is reported missing by his other crew members and Alan was questioned by military police. But he was able to convince them that he didn't know anything about Nicholas's disappearance and he was removed from the suspect list. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool customer. So, fast forward one year later, almost to the day. Almost to the day. Uh, December of 1998, we meet up with this 20-year-old guy named Sean Jenkins. He's from Newberry and he had been in the Royal Navy for a very short time until he eventually left and he started working as a bartender at Hogshead Pub in Portsmouth. Okay. Um, so it never exactly said how Alan or Sean met, but either way, they knew each other and they were out drinking one night at this club called Joanna's. So the guys drink a bunch and end up back at Alan's apartment and Alan makes a move on Sean. This guy likes younger fellows. Yeah. Um, and Sean didn't reciproc- reciprocate the, uh, the advances and Alan just loses his shit again. And he punches Sean until he forces him to have sex with him. When did they get 
alone by themselves. They go back to Alan's apartment. And then makes an advance. Sean's like, no. Mm -hmm. Beats him up. You gotta have sex with me. Sean's like, fine, fine, I'll have sex with you. So they eventually, they have sex a couple times that night. Um, And Sean stays the night. And in the morning, Sean tries to slip out of the apartment. He's like, you know, I did my my time. Like, I'm out. Like, bye, bye, bro. And Alan just stops him. And is like, you're not going anywhere. And Alan uh, binds Sean to the bathtub and beats him with a baseball bat. Binds him to the bathtub? Okay. Mm-hmm. And beats him with a baseball bat until he dies. Uh, Alan later disposes of Sean's body next to the A32 uh, road at West Tisted, which is four miles away from where he dumped Nicholas's body. Okay. Um, so investigators... Are these like, my, like, like Forest Service Road? Like, not necessarily a it's, forest but like a service like, road no it kind of sounded or is like that just how they name roads it's kind of sounded like it was off a road in some shrubbery so it's kind of like if you got out of your vehicle and started walking around you mm-hmm. would see like trash bags and you're like oh what's in here and then you would discover the body but no one's discovered nicholas's body at this point and it's a year later so it's probably relatively enclosed yeah yeah um so uh, investigators are still looking into the disappearance of Nicholas, and they realize that Alan's name just keeps coming up in their investigation. Mm-hmm. So they bring Alan back in for questioning, and he finally admits to killing Nicholas, and then he's like, oh, by the way, I just killed Sean. Okay. And uh, he said that he got a thrill from killing Nicholas. He said the thrill came from the power he had over the younger man, and that the killing had no sexual element to it. However, he did admit that the feeling was better than an orgasm. Okay. Um, he would later call the killing of Nicholas the the Nicholas Wright experience. Ew. Yeah. He also told officers, it was such a feeling. I have never had that feeling. It was a feeling of power. A good feeling. Yeah. Mm. So even though Alan said the murders weren't sexual in nature, there was definitely sexual abuse before and after the victims were dead. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, he also admitted to stalking trainees and cadets who were taking his firefighter courses, and he would look for the best-looking ones that he knew he could dominate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alan finally goes to court, and he's convicted in 2001 of killing Nicholas Wright and Sean Jenkins, and the judge recommended that he serve a minimum of 22 years, but also that he should never be released. This sentence was increased to 25 years by the, by the then home security. Okay. Uh, at the trial, Mr. Justice Cresswell told Alan, you are a serial killer in nature, if not in number. Ooh. You are a highly dangerous serial killer who killed two young men in horrifying uh, circumstances. Whoa. Yeah. So in 2008, Alan won a reduction in his life sentence by three years. This was to reflect the time he had spent on remand. Do you know what remand is? Oh, when you're remanded to court. Uh, I've heard it before, but I can't place a definition. Uh, So the process of detaining a person who has been arrested and charged with an offense uh, until their trial. Until your process. Yeah. Okay. Which is crazy because you can be in jail. Um, You can be detained for We had kind of, I I said I would get the details and I didn't. (laughs) We had talked about, somebody Google it. There was a kid and he went to Rikers. And he was in Rikers for years 
And part of what I couldn't remember and told you was either he got AIDS and died or he was murdered and died. Like, yeah, he was there for so it was like he was accused of stealing a backpack. This is a kid who was accused of stealing a backpack, went to Rikers. It took forever to just get processed and he's dead. Yeah, because he didn't have what the money to for an attorney yeah, to there's pay, all, like, there's, pay bail. Yeah. Oh, when you think of your right to a fair and speedy trial, like constitutionally, bill of rights, like you're entitled to a speedy process mm-hmm. and people are not getting that. People are getting pushed into uh, just plead down. We'll accuse you of all this other heinous shit that you're super scared of. But if you just plead out so we don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of a trial and you're like, all right, fine, I'll be a felon. Yeah. Then you lose insane. the right to vote. You lose all this. Like, it's well, not, well, not in Florida. We talked about that. Yeah. Amendment 4 just passed for them. Yeah. So if you're not a violent felon. So it was if you have served your sentence and have Mm -hmm. been released Mm -hmm. or you're on parole and you are not in it when the crime wasn't for murder or a sex crime, Mm -hmm. then your right to vote has been reinstated. So they're saying up to like 1.4 million new voters in Florida based on that amendment passing. Um, okay. So. He tells me he's a serial killer. He gets reduced because they count in the yeah, romantic the time. Uh, so the review. And there was like three years of romance, mm-hmm. that we said? Yeah. So he was there for three years. Ima- okay, like he's guilty as fuck, but imagine. If you weren't. An innocent person being mm-hmm. remanded for a year. Like, oh, the, like, you see how, in, how outraged I get about injustices that are like stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, I couldn't take it. So the review noted his guilty plea, the time spent on remand, and also his personality disorder. Mm. So after thorough assessment by a psychologist, opinion was divided on Alan's mental health. While it was generally believed that Alan was responsible for his actions, one psychologist labeled Alan as being the worst psychopath that he had come across in 250 murderers. What's that guy's job that he's encountered 250 murderers? My God. Well, he's a psychologist. Yeah, but... Of murder. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the crazy thing is that there might be other murders linked to Alan. Really? So Simon Parks, who was 18 at the time of his d- disappearance... Already fits the mold. <laughs> yep, young male from Kingswood, was a radio operator on HMS Illustrious mm-hmm. when he disappeared on December... 12th 1986 after a night out with colleagues in yeah Gibraltar or something okay so guess who was on Gibraltar? the scene Gibraltar Gibraltar hey, hey. <laughs> that was awesome Gibraltar <laughs> uh, but guess who was on the same ship as Simon I'm gonna guess I can't remember his name Alan yup right. Alan actually that's exactly what I wrote yup Alan <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he did it yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he did that. Uh, so Simon was last seen leaving the Horseshoe Bar and to get something to eat, and someone fitting his description was then seen drunk at a nearby naval function inside the Fleet Pavilion at the Hole in the Wall pub, and he had left his passport, possessions, and Christmas presents for his family on the ship and had written to his parents mm. saying he would be home for Christmas. Um, his body has never been located, so again, if you know any information on this, because it hasn't been proven it was Alan. I didn't think it was Alan. Yeah, but Alan's never really, like, fessed up to it. I would, well, I think... I mean, fessed up to Sean. What's his time? Does he think he can get out? No, he's like, life sentence. Yeah, but like a real life, or like a... I mean, he got three years off of life. That's silly. 
by the way. Um, anywho, if you know any information, definitely reach out to those authorities. Um, and then police are also speculating that there are other unknown victims and believe that because Allen killed people around the 12th of December each year, that there could be a range from uh, between 11 to 20 unidentified victims. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's Alan Griffson for the Gimlet. Gee Willikers. <laughs> Gee Willikers, Batman. Um, I did want to do a little correction section. Oh. Because um, we got a shout out from Instagram handle farm underscore land underscore broker. Um, apparently, during our Jody Arias uh, episode, I was saying her grandparents' town incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason why I'm kind of correcting it is because I was saying the correct name of a different town. <laughs> <laughs> so her grandparents were not from um, Eureka. They were from Yreka. Which is a typical California, like, I don't know. I feel like I've accidentally interchangeably used those yeah. cities. Not going to lie. I... I've only seen Eureka, so I was like, oh, that's what they meant. <laughs> Even well, though why, it's... Is Eureka more buried? Is it more out of the way than Eureka is? Because Eureka is pretty... I'm not going to stab at that again. Pretty cutty. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thanks again for that shout out. Um, as always, hit us up if you have questions, comments, concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I've told you this story before. It didn't make it into an episode. We have a little bit of time left. Um... This is, uh, so when I move, and this is a two-parter, maybe, maybe I don't keep any of these parts. Uh, when I was moving to Oakland, I had asked, so my parents were quite concerned that I was moving to Oakland and it was going to be so dangerous. And I went, um, I am moving a block away from where you motherfuckers lived when you lived in Oakland. And it was like, oh, the times were different. The 70s. And it was like, the 70s was the time of the prime. <laughs> the 70s dangerous as hell. Yeah. Anyway, but so I was asking my friends that I was moving in with, and I was like, you know, what's the neighborhood like? And she goes, well, the only issue we've ever had was she starts telling this story. She's like in the bathroom. She's brushing her teeth and getting ready to go to bed. And she hears a shriek, a woman yell out from in the street. And she throws open the window and she goes, are you being attacked? And this woman yells, I just got bit by a raccoon. So my friend goes running outside, oh checks out the lady was like walking her dog and the dog like snuffled off into a bush. A raccoon came out and bit her on the ankle. <laughs> oh my God. And so I was like, okay, it doesn't sound like a terrible neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and then. Was good on her for poking her head out the door yeah, out of the window. Yeah. You know, gotta help a sister out. So I move in. I want to say it was my first night. I believe it was my first night. I like moved all my shit in and both my roommates were out. They were doing other stuff. My friend had come, my other friend had come into town. Like I'd gone out to dinner. So it's like, I finished my dinner. I come home. Nobody else is home. And the way that house was set up is it was a, we had people that lived below us. So you'd go up steps to a stoop. And then that stoop had a, like a gated, so like our front porch, we could leave stuff on because it had a, like a lockable gate. Mm-hmm. And then there was somebody who lived above us as well. So it was a triplex, I guess. Um, but it was like super nice. We had like hardwood floors, like, you know, it was, it was nice. And, uh, but like a block from Ashby Bart. So not that nice. <laughs> so, uh, I, like, I come in, I get in there and I go into my room and my room was, uh, an office essentially it had like a pocket door but it was big enough like i had a queen size bed and a wardrobe and like it was a room but so i go into my room and 
the curtains just looked different, like rumpled. And I go, oh, and like, I just assumed, like I'd left the window open and like it had blown, like, because if I had left my window open, you couldn't reach it from the street. It's not like a street level window. Mm-hmm. So I go and I move. I move Acrobats, Jackie. Acrobats. I, I move the blinds <laughs> or the curtains and I hear like, tick, 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 like I hear broken glass noise. Uh-huh. And then I, I'm like, oh, and I'm so confused. I'm so confused. And then there's broken glass and there's a, a perfect circle hole in the window. What? And then I look, and then all of a sudden, then I notice that there's a lime. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> there's a lime <laughs> sitting on my, like, on my bed. Like, someone had thrown a lime through the window. I was thinking you were going to say baseball. No, nope, okay. a lime. Which fits to the story. That's why I'm yeah, telling okay. the story. And there's no lime trees on the street. Like, someone <laughs> brought a lime to the street to throw through the window. Oh, my God. And it's, like, an old-ass window, so, I mean, it just, like, it didn't, like, shatter and, like, create all just, like, boom, just a lime went through. Yeah. So then I'm, like, oh. And then I don't know how concerned to be about it, so I'm, like, texting my roommates, like, oh, someone threw a lime through my window, apparently? Like, should I be, ner- like, should I leave? And they're, like, no, nah, don't be scared. Like, just be there. And I was, like, all right. So then <laughs> I just. margaritas. Yeah, so then I just, like, I think at that time we were, like, really hooked on, and I can't drink them now, but we were really into Trader Joe's uh, chai chai tea um so i make myself a they're like super sugary yeah i make myself this like drink and i'm like watching murder shows i'm sure and then uh my roommates come back and then we start talking about it <laughs> then my friend goes you know i started thinking about it and i thought like maybe maybe they threw the lime through to like check and see if we had uh like a security system and i was like you told me not to be scared and that's like i'm like just stay here and they're yeah. like well it's fine no one came <laughs> They could be coming still. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And then the landlord came the next day. Landlord fixed the window yeah. and all was fine. And there were never any issues. But No more limes. No more limes. All right. Just a weird, random, I happened to move in that day, <laughs> lime through the window incident. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my experience living in Oakland. I want to know the backstory to the lime. I will never know. Someone brought that lime there. Were they... I Was it impromptu? Was it just like, I'm going to throw this lime? I What's the... Why? If you know the answer, go ahead and hit Yeah, us up. if you threw a lime through someone's random window in Oakland, <laughs> I gotta know. That was, okay, it was Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And my sister had texted me and she goes, hey, bring your bike. We'll go on a big old bike ride before Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm like, that sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. So I load my bike up. I get through the Calicot Tunnel. I'm like headed over to the East Bay. And uh, I'm like a blocker or so from my house. And I go, oh, shit. I don't think I've put my front wheel in the car because the, because <laughs> the rack that I had, you take your front wheel off, yeah. you lock your bike up, you put the wheel in the car. I just left the wheel sitting up against my car and I drove away. <laughs> so I've, it's been in the road 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe I call my roommate and I go, please go outside. Tell me there's a wheel in the middle of the road or on the sidewalk. Like, is my wheel out there? Yeah. And she's like, she goes, scour. She's like, there's no wheel anywhere out here. And I'm like, damn it. 15 minutes on the streets of Oakland. It's gone. Oh. And like, you know, it's just annoying. So then we don't go on our bike ride before Thanksgiving. And then that night I get home and there's a paper on a on a telephone pole. This is, did you lose a bike wheel? <laughs> Does it have a picture of the wheel? No, we, oh, no picture. But awesome. it just says, did you lose a bike wheel? Call this number. And the number is seven digits long. And there's no area code. And if anyone who lives in the Bay, that could be any area code. It could be 925. It could be 510. It could, like, there's so yeah. 415. You could have so many different area codes. And I'm like, well, 
Let's try them all. <laughs> so then I just start calling all the different iterations it could possibly be. And no one's picking up. And I'm leaving voicemails. And then I'm like, what else can I do? And I kind of let that sit for a day or two. And I'm like, fuck. Someone has my wheel. I'm trying to get a right hold of there, me. And I'm yeah. like, they just, ugh. So then I make a note. And I go, I lost my wheel. I put it under the other note. I lost my wheel. I don't know your area code. Please call me. Or email. I can't remember which yeah, one yeah. I put. Never heard back from anybody, from any of the voicemails, from my note, and my wheel is still gone. Oh, I thought this was going to have closure. No. Jackie. I ended up getting a wheel from somebody at work. I just gave them a six-pack, and they gave me a wheel. Well, that was fine, but. All right. That's kind of closure. I'll take it. I mean, the bike rolls now. <laughs> As it should. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, I don't know that I have any other living in Oakland stories. I think that's the trifecta. Bit by a raccoon. Lime through the window. Lost my wheel because I'm stupid. <laughs> Lost my wheel because I'm stupid. This has been our Gimlets episode. Our outros are terrible. Fuck. I'm sorry for all the awkward We don't know how to end them. And then our outro is so much worse than our intro. We well, should re-record that. Uh, like, yeah. I like the intro and, like, the little mistakes make me chuckle. Casual. But the <laughs> We say casual is so funny. Casual. 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 Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, until next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Use coupon code KillerCocktails, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. Ha 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 